This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello, it's Paul Wheelock and welcome to the latest podcast on the Blood Red channel. If you're looking for a Liverpool FC book for Christmas or even to get you through this latest lockdown, then there's plenty to choose from. From Andy Robertson's Now You're Gonna Believe Us, published by our sister company Reach Sport, to The Greatest Games by Jamie Carragher and to Melissa Reddy's Believe Us. As I say, there are some great reads out there. And I'd just like to introduce you to another one. It's called Klopp, My Liverpool Romance, and it's written by journalist, writer and lifelong Liverpool fan, Tony Quinn. Tony was born in Heighton and for 15 years was the film critic for The Independent and is the author of six novels. But this book is his first dive into the world of sports writing and I believe it's the first UK written book about the man who has guided Liverpool back to the top of English, European and world football. It's not a biography in the conventional sense, more, as Tony says himself, an ode to the Reds manager, Jurgen Klopp. And earlier this week, I had the chance to speak to Tony from his home in London, all about the book, which honestly is a a lovely read, and all about Liverpool FC too. Hope you enjoyed this podcast, and we'll have another podcast later this afternoon when the Liverpool.com writers record their show. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Well, hi, Tony. Thank you very much for coming on the podcast to talk about your new book, Klopp, My Liverpool Romance. Hi, Paul. Thanks very much. Uh, Looking forward to it. Yeah, it's uh, anyone who has read your book already because it is out now or goes on to read your book will will know you play football as well, uh, as love football and particularly Liverpool FC. I just want to ask you this question, really, because no doubt footballers in the days leading up to a a big game will feel nerves. Is, Is it the same for you as an author before one of your books are published? (laughs) Um, not quite it's it's a different kind of nerviness to be honest Um, with with a book coming out you feel you've got a long run up to it so you know that you know there's a fair chance of there being some reviews and probably a good chance of there being some quite nasty ones as well but you become philosophical I mean Klopp's my eighth ninth book Um, so in a way, you become sort of accustomed to, you know, the, the the fallout and what happens. But with a game, I don't know, I, I think it's a different kind of nerviness, really, um, because, you know, there's nothing you can do at all. You know, you feel weirdly. I mean, before I used to play, I felt butterflies when I, when I, you know, when I played when I was a kid and when, when I was you know, in my 20s and 30s. That's that much tenser in a way. Whereas with Liverpool, it's a kind of I don't know. These days, I feel much more assured actually because I think with with Klopp, there, there will, will very rarely be something to get too het up about. You know, you feel like the selection's going to be good, the team's going to be up for it. Um, whereas I'd never used to feel that in the last sort of twenty odd years before that. I was always sort of stoical really more than more than more than anything I think it's anyway to answer your question yeah I I, I feel nervous before all, all of these things but um, it's a different kind of thing and with a book you feel like you can do something about it whereas with football you can't lap of the gods and you rightly say there it's it's not your first book but if I'm correct it's your first step into the world of sport in, uh, in inverted right. commas yeah. it's, pretty, it's pretty clear from, from, from reading you know the the, the reviews of it, or look at someone like myself who's been lucky enough to actually read it, the, the subject matter was always going to be pretty clear for you. <laughs> yes, it was. It, it, um, 
I, I'd never actually thought about writing a football book. Um, I, I was always slightly nervous of writing about something that was very sort of, I was very passionate about. Um, I, someone asked me to write a book after Istanbul um, and I turned it down. I just, I just couldn't see a way to do it, to be honest. But once Klopp came, I felt differently about it and I thought this actually might be a good way into writing a non-fiction book about, you know, the club that I love. And in a way, I don't think I would have written about Liverpool if it hadn't been for Klopp because he's, I don't know. I mean, I'm 56 now and I never, ever thought I'd succumb to hero worship you know, as a near, you know, I'm practically on the threshold of old age. You know, it's not, <laughs> I never, I never really thought I'd be someone who'd have another hero, like I did when I was a, a teenager. You know, it's kind of, it's slightly unbecoming in a way, I think, for uh, an old person to have heroes. But, but Klopp did become that, and I became rather obsessed with him. Um, <laughs> not, not, not just because he's a brilliant, you know, coach and a fantastic motivator but I also think he's a really fascinating man you know I think he's just on his own as a as a character he seems to me a kind of once in a lifetime person and that, that's why I feel that Liverpool football club has been so lucky to get him in a way um, I feel like it's a real blessing and you know the stars were aligned somehow and so when 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 the, se- the last season started, so it must have been must have been sort of August September last year, 2019. Somebody said, you know, you should write this. You should write about Klopp, and I thought, well, now is the time, isn't it? Really. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, I was mulling it over, and eventually I thought, yeah, a short hero worshiping book about Klopp would be something I'd like to do. And uh, as it turned out, I started it the week of lockdown and. It was a bit of a saviour to me as well, but quite apart from anything else. You know, I'd, I'd had a dose of COVID at the beginning of March oh. and I felt terrible. Yeah. And um, I thought, well, you know, I've got this book to write now. And, it, you know, writing is always a salvation, but in this case, it was a salvation and a pleasure as well. Yeah, it, it, I'm going to ask you, did you have fun writing it? Because from the outside, oh, it, it appears that you did, because I, I know I absolutely flew through the 200-odd pages in the book. It did, it <laughs> well, felt... I'm very pleased to hear it, Paul, thanks. Yeah, I, I did have a lot of fun writing it. Um, I think the, the the difference between writing a, a longer piece like this, a longer book, and a, and a piece of journalism, which is what I'm used to, is... You have to sort of hit on a tone. You have to you have to settle on a on a tone. Um, the tone I was going for, which I which I hope I have achieved. I, you know, it's not for me to say, but the, the the tone I wanted to get was something conversational and something you know light but serious. And you, you've I found very quickly that I was just enjoying it and. There was not that much, apart from the apart from Klopp's years at, at um, Mainz and Dortmund. A lot of the stuff I, I felt like I didn't even have to research because mm-hmm. I already knew it. You know, I knew quite a lot about Liverpool stuff. I had to check dates and things, and you know, transfer fees and stuff. But I knew the whole shape of the last thirty years. The you know from from the last time we won the title. Um, 
And I knew quite a lot of the Shankly stuff anyway, because I'd read, you know, his autobiography and I'd read loads of other books about Liverpool. So in that way, when I'm, when I'm writing a novel, there's, there's a ton of research to do. And, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll have some stuff at my, you know, disposal and I'll know what I'm, I'm going to do roughly with this book. It became with the club book. It was, it was a little bit like writing my diary. I, I, mm-hmm. I didn't really have to stop and think what's next. You know, it sort of came together. The structure of it had to be worked out, but the, and, and the, and the whole, the, 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 the central section about Shanklop where I compare Shankly and Klopp, that had to be thought out quite carefully too, but it was, it was just a, a joy in a way. And I hope, you know, I hope that's communicated to the, to the reader. They sometimes say that on a, you know, on a film set, when, when a film is, everyone's happy on a film set, you know, happy set, bad film. <laughs> I, hope, I, hope in this, I hope in this case, it's a happy book and it's a happy read. Yeah, I've, I've read some of the reviews, so I think you're in uh, safe ground there. That's uh, an excellent <laughs> well, review so far. So far. Yeah, fingers crossed. <laughs> it, it, because you, you talk about there, there is that delve into to Klopp's history, how he came to Liverpool and come to be almost the man he, he's become to be when you talk about Mainz and Dortmund. But this isn't a conventional biography for anyone who's listening who, who hasn't no, read it No, that's right. It's not. It's a, it's, a, it's a part memoir and it bounces between... At the first, in the first chapters, anyway, it bounces between my life in Heighton, growing up in the 1960s and 70s, and my support of Liverpool. My my uh, my very early support of Celtic when I was uh, seven, and then my switch under my dad's influence to to Liverpool. My dad took me to Roger Hunt's testimonial testimonial in April of 1972, and from that point on. Um, I was pretty much confirmed as, you know, a lifelong fan. Um, I I remember, I I talk about this in the book, but I remember that vivid moment of going to Anfield for the first time. And and I realized why it struck me. We never had a color tally then. So when I actually went into the ground and saw the green of the pitch, it was like a technicolor mind bomb really i've never really seen green before i don't think like that and the the dazzle of the green against the the red of the strip and the lights and the you know the smell of of cigar and liniment it was you know never to be forgotten really it was it was a kind of epiphany if you can have an epiphany when you're eight years old you know it felt that's what it felt like it was it was it stunned me, um, and I wanted to explain that in the book. It's not a, it's not a, a biography of, of Klopp, as you say. It's about him, but it's also about being a fan, and it's about growing up and finding that football is a passion, but other things are as well. Um, so, somebody on somebody interviewed me on Talksport a, a week or so ago, and. and um, he said, uh, I mean, I don't think I'll be interested in this book. And I said, why? And he said, because I'm a Chelsea fan. Well, to be honest, I'd, I'd hope that readers of whatever stripe, of whatever club, would be interested in this book. Because, like I say, it, it's not just about Klopp. It's not just about Liverpool. It's actually about following a club and being a fan. And 
being obsessed with, you know, a person, a, ma- a manager and a coach and a style of play. Um, so I hope Everton fans who might stumble on this podcast <laughs> might actually think, well, there might be something in it. In fact, there is a little chapter, a little excerpt on Everton as well. So, you know, even even an Evertonian might find something of interest in it. That's the thing about Jurgen Klopp, obviously. He's adored by Liverpool fans for, for what he's he, he's done on the pitch, really. You know, he's, he's got Liverpool mm. back to being Premier League champions, European champions, world champions. But I think there's certainly a, a lot of respect from outside the Liverpool fan base for him. And I know at the, the, the start of the book, before it actually get, gets going, you've got a, a lovely quote from the playwright Lucy Kirkwood in, in which she talks about Jürgen's humility, his integrity yeah. and, and decency. And and in, in these kind of strange and troubled times we live in, it, it does feel like we need more Jürgen Klopps. I think that's absolutely right, yeah. Um, I, I think he's a man for all seasons and a man in a crisis too. Um yeah, the, the Lucy Kirkwood quote was great because, you know, she begins by saying, I'm not really a sports fan at all, but I'm so glad that Jurgen Klopp is in the world. That's pretty much how I feel, to be honest. And the way he conducts himself, the way he carries himself, um, I think even if you're not a Liverpool fan, if you just sort of like sport and you like football, you can't help but be admiring of him in a way. I think he's just... He's an extraordinary character, you know. He's, you know, he's got values and he conveys them. And he's a proper man. He probably, he sort of listens to people. He can talk a mile a minute, as we know. <laughs> I mean, this is in his second language, by the way. God knows what he's like in <laughs> German. German. Yeah. Um, he's he's just, you know, an extraordinary talker, but he's an extraordinary thinker as well. I think he he's, you know, he thinks deeply about things other than football. Obviously, he's, you know, a bit of a genius when it comes to you know tactics and motivation but you just get the sense that he's got a different gears as a person as an as a and as a and as a talker you know and it is that thing about listening to people you know there are many great talkers there aren't that many great listeners um and i think he's both his future is often debated by Liverpool fans. We know he's agreed to contracts until 2024, I believe. But, you know, after that, who knows? Could you see him going into something completely different, given given the fact, like, yeah, he's, he, he, I think his, the qualities he brings as a, as a human, as a person, kind of sometimes go beyond football. Do you think he could ever yeah, go into, I, I God forbid, fo- politics or, I don't know, business? Or, well, I don't... This is it. Yeah, I mean, I was, th- I was thinking about that too. And, you know, when you when you look at him and when you listen to him, you think... You know, you could be like a film director or a talk show host or, a, you know, a human rights activist or, in fact, a policy. He'd be a brilliant prime minister, wouldn't he? Certainly better than the one we've got. <laughs> yeah, you know, he's, 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 he's got, you know, he's got common sense. He's got a grounding in common sense, um, which, as they say, isn't so common anymore. Um, and he's, yeah, he's, he, feels, he feels like somebody who's not just interested in football obviously that's his his main interest but you 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 sense that he's um got his ear out for other things you know and he he's he's more what's the word holistic you know he he looks at different aspects of the of of the game when when players come through the door at anfield apparently you know a few of them said they were surprised when they were interviewed by Klopp because he didn't immediately ask them about football. You know, the players 
he said to them, listen, I know you're good at football or you wouldn't be here. <laughs> but what I want to know is, you know, what are you like? You know, what are your family like? What's your, what was your background? You know, where have, where have you come from? And, you know, why why do you think you'll be good here? And I think that's so much more rounded in a way. And it's respectful of people. It's respectful of, of you know, these young guys as not just as players, but as human beings. And it's it's very easy to overlook the fact that these guys are, you know, they've come from different continents, you know, different lifestyles, a lot of them. And, you know, they're, they're thrown in at the deep end, obviously with, you know, a lot of protection and a lot of money to, to cushion the, the fall. But it must be a bit lonely as well sometimes coming to a, to a place like, you know, Liverpool where you don't know anyone. And I think it must be great to have somebody like Klopp who's looking after you, you know, in a, in a, in a sort of crazy paternal way. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, it's it's one one of the great things about the book is it's it's so current. It's it's all the way up to the Premier League title and and, and going through lockdown and then the, the return of, the, of football itself. And yeah, he 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 managed all that so well. Then you know you you talk about there where it must be strange coming over to a, a different country or a different part of the country, and yeah. he managed to keep everything together. I, I know you reference it in the book yourself. The the statement he made early on in lockdown seemed to again set the tone perfectly. Uh, it, it was, I know there was the, the kind of rival fans and people having a laugh going an asterisk title and things like that before, <laughs> before it was won but it, 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 he handled everything up until March absolutely brilliantly Liverpool were, were going to win the title by you know a record margin then after it, it, it he, he did so well then they, you know when it, it, as a fan he was, wonderful. Have, yeah. he was wonderful I thought you know doing those videos not in any kind of pompous self-important way he just sort of talked directly to people he's a brilliant communicator like that I think you know I, I I don't know what he's like when he's talking to the players. It must be wonderful, but you know the way he talks just on a just the camera. You know, on one of those Zoom calls, he's he's so relaxed and uneasy. And, and the way he he dealt with the COVID um, crisis when football went into you know lockdown, when we all went into lockdown, and football went into mothball. You know, he said football. You know, it's the most important of the least important things, mm-hmm. um, or the most. What, what, what was it? It was the. Yeah. Anyway, he he put it into perspective. You know, it is important, but it's important in a way that, you know, life and family and health. You know, they are the things that you should really be looking after. Um, and I remember he got quite annoyed at some presser when someone was talking about well you know are you worried about going over there and catching I think it was that they were going to Atlantic in the days when we were going to go yeah. and travel before before the actual lockdown and he absolutely flew at this guy and said you know this is not you know what we should be talking about we've just got to listen to the experts and you know in an era when expertise is is regularly scoffed at and and demeaned and diminished Klopp is you know a kind of beacon of good sense and says listen to people you know they're the people who know listen to experts listen to doctors listen to the authorities and you know do it right um and 
again, you know, there's some sort of wonderful sense of leadership there. Um, just great good sense. And in a, in a game where good sense is, is in quite short supply in the upper echelons, it's, it's really wonderful to see. You know, they should possibly make him head of the FA if it wasn't such a boring <laughs> job. You know, he's, he's, he's the kind of... You know, you can't you can't imagine him being like you know, Set Blatter or you know any of those guys at FIFA. Or he, if you if you wanted somebody to clean up an institution, you'd probably hire Klopp, and you know place him there as the head. And I bet he'd get the job done, um, because people have got faith in him. That, that's that's what he that's what he brings. Yeah, Liverpool fans certainly have, and it, obviously everything that he's he's done at Liverpool, even the lead up to the Champions League win in Madrid, and then followed by all the success that's that's followed it. You know, people loved him, people followed him, and and, and even before those trophies started coming, there was the inevitable comparisons with with Bill Shankly, and and, and you certainly yeah. not shied away from in from them in in the book, dedicating a whole chapter. Really enjoyed this chapter called Shanklop. I think you referenced it earlier, and A to Z. And did you, did you enjoy doing this one in particular? I really did. Yeah, um, I, I mean, I didn't think there was any sort of mystical connection between them, but there, there, there certainly were resonances and there were comparisons and parallels. And it was just interesting, you know, to to to, to read the Shankly autobiography and the Shankly biog as well um, and see the kind of chimes of... of similarity between them um both passionate committed from working class backgrounds um great sense of community they're both i mean they've got both great communitarian figures and of course um they love the fans the fans love them wonderful sense of humor shankley's more gritty scottish slightly flinty Klopp more cosmopolitan um, suave at ease with everyone um, and I just thought there was a kind of it, it, it was it, it felt quite a good exercise to just sort of bounce those two eras from the 60s to the present and see the way that Klopp echoed Shankly in a way. They're not they're not wholly similar, but I think in the way they're held in regard by the fans and the way they see the fans as the basis of the club, I think is incredibly cheering somehow and you know, it warms the cockles of your heart really. Um but, but like I said, it was great. To, it was great to, to reread the Shankly as well. I mean, I hadn't, I hadn't read that autobiography for years, so it just, it just felt like a kind of, it, 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 it felt like a pleasure as well as a juicy to read it. In terms of your own support, you will have seen some great sides before the, the the present day one. Is is this one of the most enjoyable, or even the the most enjoyable time you've you've had being a Liverpool fan? Oh, that's a good one, Paul. Um, I think it, I think it maybe is. I mean, before that, I'd say I love watching him in 2013-14 in that season under Rodgers um, when we came very close. Uh, 
and I loved the 1990 side. Um, I think I study them more now, in a way, than I than I did then. To be honest, you became quite complacent as a Liverpool fan in the 1970s and 80s. You always sort of assumed that they'd win and that they would um, conquer all, and they did. You know, um, I've just been reading about Ray Clements. You know, with his five title, five league titles, three European Cup titles, League Cup, FA Cup. You know. It just seemed this long triumphal roll when you're a Liverpool fan um, back then, um, and when something happened, like, like, like when it, when 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 we got a bad result, e.g., you know, your young your younger listeners might think that seven two against Aston Villa last month was you know the end of the world. <laughs> well, I can remember in 1976 when Liverpool lost 5-1 against Villa and Emlyn Hughes said it's the worst game I've ever been in and honestly it felt like the, the the world had just fallen off its axis I just couldn't believe that a team had put five past Liverpool against Ray Clemens you yeah. know um, so to answer your question I've never enjoyed watching a team more now than I have um, I think Klopp has made them not only an amazing unit, but he's made them so incredibly entertaining to watch as well. You know, when, you know, you've got two fullbacks, supposed fullbacks in, you know, in Trent and Robbo, hairing up the wings and delivering these amazing crosses and getting, you know, record numbers of assists. When you, when you, when you see the, when you see the team just, Combining, like they do, you know. For instance, when you when I, when you watch them against Leicester and that bank holiday game, last, yes, Boxing last year, Day wasn't it? It was know, Boxing Day. Uh, yeah. It's just, I mean, it was just heaven, and you just thought, how lucky am I to be a Liverpool fan now? Um, I can't remember a game I really enjoyed more than that last season, and I was incredibly nervous before it as well. I remember because they just come back from. Qatar, didn't they? And I just couldn't get over how great they were. They were just, they missed all these chances in the first half and then all of a sudden it clicked and they were 1-0 up at half time and then they played just the most amazing 45 minutes and I just thought, this is great. Anyway, sorry Paul, that was a very long winded answer. I, I love watching them now in a way that I'd never quite loved them before. It kind of brings it up quite nicely to uh, the modern day. We're, we're speaking on Monday. I think this podcast is uh, going to come out on the Wednesday. And, and at the weekend, Liverpool have got the visit of uh, Leicester to Anfield and another re- reunion with, with Brendan Rodgers. He, he also gets a mention in the book, as you as you would expect, given he was Jurgen Klopp's predecessor. I know you were talking fondly about his time at the club in that 2013-14 season in particular. Has history yeah. shown now that he's, he's actually a, a very good manager, Brendan Rodgers? I think it has, hasn't it? Yeah, Um I always kind of quite liked him, and I think his 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 problem was he was he was a bit verbose, and he he sort of I mean Klopp is a great talker too, but I think Rogers was I don't know there was some he did a lot of analytics. There was a lot of I'm not sure 
he seemed to lose his way. I don't know what happened, but I think in that that season of 2013-14, he was just amazing. And as you say, you know, he had a spell at Celtic and he came back to Leicester and he's turned them into this amazing unit again and they recruit brilliantly too. Um, uh, so, yes, he's 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 wonderful. Uh, and, and he was, by the way, he was wonderful at Swansea, uh, before, you know, when we nabbed him. But I don't know what happened really. I think he got, I think it was possibly to do with transfers. The 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 Scylla and Charybdis of all Liverpool managers prior to Klopp seems to me have seems to me this terrible transfer policy we've had and the money that we've wasted on players. And I think Rogers fell foul of that. He just came a terrible cropper when we had 117 million or something mm-hmm. to spend from the sale of Suarez after that that season and. It was just tragic, really. Um, you know, buying Mario Balotelli, I thought was a mistake. But anyway, you know, again, I think he's you know a, a great young manager, and you know we were we were lucky to have him for a while. It just didn't work out. Just before we kind of wrap up, you talk about money to spend. I suppose Jurgen will have some in, in January, given the fact, as we were joking before we uh, pressed record in this conversation, he's currently got one first choice defender fit and Andy Robertson, <laughs> the rest are on the sidelines. You know, with us at the Echo, obviously there were a lot of speculatory and, and, and confirmed stories about whether Liverpool are signing centre-back. And uh, to me, I'll ask you that question, do, does he need to go out and sign a centre-back in January? But I was, I was just skimming back over the book before we spoke this, uh, well, this morning before we spoke now and yeah. it was it was quite interesting I reread a line about Trent Alexander-Arnold where you were talking about one of his greatest traits is the fact that he does put faith in in young players you know he, yeah. he did that with Trent and he's got two young players in Reese Williams and Nat Phillips and I know on the day we're recording this there's a story on the Athletic website where I think one of the writers David Ornstein saying well perhaps Liverpool may not look to sign a centre-back in January he may go with what he's got and that's the thing about yeah. Jürgen isn't he he doesn't pander to, to uh, kind of the rest of us going sign someone sign someone he, Absolutely, yeah, and I like that about him. I like that he doesn't feel pressured. You know, Liverpool managers, all football managers in the Premier League are are under such intense scrutiny, especially about, you know, buying players. Um, I would love him to keep faith with Phillips um, and Williams. You know, I think they, they look really promising young kids you know they look wonderful to me um i I mean it's you know he may he may well dip into the transfer market but to be honest i'd like to see him keep his faith in in the youth like he did with trent and you know he bought andy robertson when he's very young too um who knows um but who's who's to buy? By the way, yeah, you know, that's the question. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I I don't see wonderfully indispensable players out there. To be quite honest with you, I don't see any centre backs who I would absolutely love to come to the club. Not like when we were waiting for Virgil. You remember that whole season that we were waiting mm-hmm. for him to sign Virgil Van Dijk um, because Southampton wouldn't let him go because we'd made an illegal approach and. Eventually, we got hold of him, and I thought, "Thank God for that." You know that this is this is where it all starts. You know, as soon as he got Virgil, as soon as he got Allison, and um, we had Mo Salah, I thought that was the spine that would, 
you know, maybe make us the invincible team that we were. Yeah, and it's proven to be the case. And I think it's fair enough to say, that as you rightly uh, mentioned a moment ago, you can't take anything for granted in, in football. But you you would imagine this team for the next few years, at least, is is going to be about challenging for trophies. And it's probably one of my, my final question, really. Having dipped into the sports writing business now and, <laughs> and writing a book, there's there's probably more chapters to write about Jurgen Klopp and Liverpool. Do you think you may ever revisit the subject or update it? I'm not sure, to be honest, Paul. Um, I would like to. I mean, uh, there will be another chapter to, to come definitely in the book when it goes into um, paperback next mm-hmm. year, probably around August, I would have thought. So I'll, I'll do a catch-up chapter, certainly. Um, I don't know. Um, I, I'd love to write something else about him, maybe about Liverpool too, but um, I just feel so glad to have been able to write this book in particular because... Um, he is an inspirational figure, and he's he's a one-off. Um, he's he's somebody who's really unusual in not just in football, not just in sport, but you know, as a you know a kind of historical figure, we look back on somebody like Jurgen Klopp and think we were amazingly lucky to live in his time, you know, because. People like him don't come along very often. I sound like a completely pathetic hero worshipper, and actually, that's what I am. Um, my my wife's line is that there are three of us in this marriage, and um, you know, I'm afraid to say, you know, uh, it's it's just the case. I I I love him, and I you know, I'm, I want him to stay, and I hope he does stay um, because you know, it's. It's a great time to be alive as a Liverpool fan. Well, very best of luck with the book, Tony. It's a a wonderful read and it'd be great to have you back on the podcast in the future. Thanks very much, Paul. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks a lot. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.